Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, we've got a couple things to talk about today. Uh, the big news is that Colorado is playing Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Games are going to be December 29th. I think it's a 7 o'clock kickoff. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of history with Texas. Uh, which makes this a pretty cool matchup. Um, heard from Carl Durrell and Rick George today. One of the things that Carl spoke about a lot was just how much of the team comes from Texas and how much this game means to them because not only are they playing the University of Texas, but they're also playing in San Antonio. Uh, and uh, they're fired up. I'm pretty fired up. I'm excited. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what Carl Durrell had to say. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what Rick George had to say. And, um, you know, honestly, I don't have many thoughts on the basketball game against Washington last night um, because basically all the good things you can think of, you should be saying about the buffs, and that pretty much sums the game up. Um, before we get into all this stuff, though, let's talk real quick about Green Mountain Dental Group. Green Mountain Dental is an awesome family-owned business. Uh, they take great care of your teeth, and we've actually had a few DNVR listeners um, decide to make Green Mountain Dental their just real normal dentist, whatever you call that. I don't even know what you would call that. Just like their their dentist, I guess. Um, they do great work, great reviews. Um, a lot of people from DNVR, like who work for DNVR, have gotten out there and say that they do great work, and. Uh, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you can get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush. It's a great deal. Don't let that go to waste. Um, and uh, make sure you're taking care of your teeth. All right. Um, let's jump in with Carl. Uh, he spoke first. And for some reason, I cannot scroll on this iPad. Oh, there we go. Can scroll again. Um, some notes from Carl. In terms of news, I really don't think there was much. Um, he said that Brady Russell really, really wants to play. He's working really hard. He used that phrase, working really hard, a lot. Um, he said that he's dead set um, in his mind to do something for us in this bowl game. And in his mind, there's just like a countdown clock. Um, everybody's optimistic. Uh, he's, again, working really hard. Um, and he said if anybody could do it, it's Brady Russell. Um, it's kind of tough to take like a, a percentage away from those comments. Um, but I'm not going to bet against Brady coming back, especially if that's been his goal 
all year. Um, but Carl did say that at the end of the week, they're going to kind of see what kind of progress he's made throughout this week and then take it from there. Uh, so that would be obviously huge for this offense, getting Brady Russell back. You know, I, I talk a lot about how important he is. Um, but since we heard about him today, why not go through some of this again? You know, we've heard from Carl that at, at various points during the season, he's kind of been disappointed in the ability to work the seams. Um, he thought, that that production was lacking um, in a couple of the games where the Buffs weren't able to get too much going with the passing game. Um, that was what he really pointed to was that, you know, you, you need something, a slot out of your tight end. That's how you do um, work those seams a little bit better, work the middle of the field a little bit better. And Brady Russell is a, a very good tight end. Um, and when you look at what else the Buffs have at tight end, you know, it's really fun seeing CJ Schmansky and Nico Magri out there. Um, but at the same time, they aren't quite as polished as Brady Russell is at this point. He can do a lot more things at a higher level. Um, and, and bringing him back helps in the run game as much as it helps in the passing game. Obviously, Matt Lynch is the number two, and he's been back for a couple of weeks. Um, but, uh, Still, just a it's a big upgrade to get Brady Russell back, um, and obviously rooting for him to get a chance to play as well because we haven't gotten to see nearly as much of him this season as we wanted to. I, I thought that was one of the big storylines this year. You know, Taylor Embry to me is a on paper a great hire, and I think in the time that he's been in Boulder, um, we've heard enough good things and seen enough good things to kind of lock in that assessment. Um, and when you have somebody like that, a young coach, you, you want to see what he can get out of your players, um, especially a guy like Brady Russell, who has shown improvement, who's who's earned himself a scholarship in the way that he played as a walk-on um, and has been filling in a pretty substantial role for a while now at tight end, despite just being a junior. Um, and I think we saw some of that in that first game where he played a lot and played really well. He was the Buffs' leading receiver in the game that he played from start to finish, um, showed more downfield, showed more underneath. Um, just a, a good player who you could tell had learned from his experience on the field. He seemed like he had a good feel for you know space in the defense, for being that outlet guy, getting himself into an area where he could be an outlet. Um, I hope he comes back. And I think that we'd see um, some good things out of him. Um, also, Ashad Clayton opted out of the bowl game. Um, uh, Carl was asked if he was the only one, and he said that Keith Miller opted out as well. Um, you know, th those are two guys who have been pretty vocal about not getting as much playing time as they had wanted. Um, Carl did say, though, that he's, planning on both coming back in the spring semester and that uh, if there's anything that we know or that we've heard he has not heard that um but he would like to know um so that's what's going on there um oh other piece of news carl was named one of the nine finalists for the national coach of the we uh, year award i think it's the eddie robinson award um that's uh, given out by the football writers association of america and he's also the only first-year coach uh, among the nine. Well, at a school, you know. Obviously, he had his stint at uh, UCLA as well. Um, but also, uh, Tom Allen from Indiana, Brett, Brent Brennan from San Jose State, Matt Campbell from Iowa State, Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina, 
Carl Durrell from Colorado, Luke Fickle, Cincinnati, Nick Saban, Alabama, Kalani Satake from BYU, and Dabo Sweeney from Clemson. That's the whole group. Um, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Um, Carl, when asked how that makes him feel, uh, said that he's honored. Um, he's excited by this team. He has a great coaching staff um, and just really – as you'd expect said it wasn't me it's about the whole group um but he is appreciative and honored but it's a team effort um so yeah um what else do you have to say he said that everybody's excited about the chance to play in the bowl um again 22 players from texas um right now they're kind of going through a bunch of the planning for the bowl um it's the first time that families are going to be able to watch uh he said um going through the logistics, the hotels, the tickets. Uh, he said that he's getting emails from parents and they're all excited to go. He's excited that his wife gets to go. Um, yeah, everybody's excited. Um, they're gonna, they're starting to get to work. Um, he said that with a Saturday off, he did a bunch of work around the house, basically had a to-do list from his wife, a bunch of Christmas stuff. She did the bulk of it. Um, did some cooking, um, just kind of nice because he said that was the first day off in a while for the coaches. Um, but then Sunday, once they found out it was Texas and the Alamo Bowl, the coaches came in and started preparing. Um, oh, we talked about Nate a little bit, what what it takes to um, kind of fill that role in the defense. And he said in terms of on the field, you're excited for guys uh, to, to get a chance to play. He said, I think it's like the same culprits. John Van Deest, Marvin Ham, Quinn Perry, that group that's going to be competing for the start, but also likely rotating in during the game. Um, but then in terms of the leadership, um, it's, again, just kind of the same group. Um, Will Sherman, Sam Neuer, KD, since he's been back, um, Carson Wells, Mustafa, uh, Terrence Lang, um, he said that everybody's pretty comfortable in those positions um, and that's basically just been the same guys. There hasn't been a new voice stepping up with Nate gone. Um, I guess the the rest of what we have to talk about is um, kind of his opinion on what happened with the Pac-12 and, and what Colorado went through. Um, and, you know, he was asked, was the last week unfair? And he said, you know, the season was what it was. Um, we did what we could do to the best of our ability. Um, and we, we, we did that four times. We didn't do that one time. Um, last week was a challenge. And again, last week, what they did was just for him. He did what was asked of him and his team did what he asked of them. Um, and that's really his role, he says, in the whole thing and all of this. Um, and then close the answer out by saying Texas is a good measuring stick where we get to see where we are and kind of prove to outsiders where we are. Um, also said that uh, it's nice to prepare for one team this week. Um, last week they were preparing for USC and Oregon in case one of the teams had to back out. Um, they're excited to play. Um, again, the Texas kids are really excited to play. Uh, it's a great matchup and they're going to be ready for it. Um, yeah, I think that that was pretty much it for Carl. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll go through the stuff from Rick. You know, we don't get to hear from Rick all that often. It isn't like Carl where we get him twice a week during the season. Um, I When's the last time we heard from him? It, it might have been before the season started. Um, so it was good to hear from him, and we'll dig into all of that stuff 
after I tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, Breckenridge makes incredible beers. The Strawberry Sky is my favorite. We shotgun some of those on the tailgate on Saturday before the Broncos game. That was a lot of fun. Um, I lost. I'm not good at that, uh, but I do like drinking the beer. And actually, I think as soon as this is over, you know, Mondays are kind of a slower day for me. Um, things kind of ramp up toward the end of the week. I think when this is over, get the podcast up. I got to get to the gym. Um, actually, my skis just got here, so I'm really excited about that. I'm going to start skiing over this Christmas break. I'm not really sure what my schedule is or the schedule for this podcast is going to be, um, but being trapped in Montana away from my family, uh, I should be able to find one day in there to ski, which is exciting. Because um, ever since I moved here like a year and a half ago, I haven't had my skis. But for Christmas, my mom sent them down, so I'm pretty pretty excited. I actually just went back and watched a bunch of the reviews for those skis, which came out in like 2012. And I remember being like really excited to go shopping for them. And it turns out what I'm looking for in a ski is basically the same stuff that I was looking for back then. Like I'm just reading the reviews and watching the videos and getting all fired up again because I'm been able to ski for a long time. Um, so yeah, uh, excited to do that. And so what I think I'm going to do when this podcast is over is probably just watch more reviews of my skis, try to figure out when I can go skiing and sit down with the strawberry sky or maybe a Christmas ale. I do have some of those. It is that time of year. Um, so yeah, good beers, especially good this time of year. Christmas ale, the holiday ale, all of those cannot go wrong. Breckenridge Brewery does not miss. Uh, so make sure that you are uh, drinking those beers because you're just setting yourself up for failure if you are not. Um, also, MSU Denver Online is putting a, a dynamic education in your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs, and some of our very own staff members at DNVR and some of my coworkers here at uh, DMVR have been taking those classes. They say the professors are extremely engaged and responsive. Um, they're always happy to see you reach out and, and ask for help or ask for ideas or talk about careers, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, they, they really do care. And also they're obviously like located in Denver. That's where they work as professionals. Um, actually, 80% of MSU Denver graduates are in Denver. And so once you do get a degree, you also have a great um, network of connections that you can pull upon um, as you try to get back into a, a career field or into a new career, field, whatever's going on. Um, it, it is very valuable stuff on a whole bunch of different levels. Uh, if you want more information about the 40 plus online and hybrid programs that can get you a degree at MSU Denver online, then go to msudenver.com slash online uh, to check those out. All right, um, Rick George. It was a long one, not going to lie, but it was also like filled with good stuff. Um, good to hear from Rick. Um, he, uh, he's had a tough job, uh, but I, I personally, like, maybe, maybe we'll have some like year-end reviews that we're going to do. Coaches, uh, administrators. Um, if we do that, Rick George is going to get a great grade for me. Um, and, you know, in terms of what he said during his 
media availability. It wasn't all that eye-opening. There, there wasn't anything that made you say, oh, wow, that's what happened. Um, but just kind of hearing some of the details of how things went down were good. And there were a couple times where maybe he hinted at a, l- a little bit of frustration. And we'll get to those. Um, he started by recapping the year, kind of going through what's what's gone well, what hasn't, all that kind of stuff. Um, and he, he started that recap by saying, well, thank goodness there's only 10 days left. Um, because it was a tough one. So uh, he said that the grades are good. It seems like the the academic side of things is going well, which, you know, is something that you expect. But with everything going on with the remote learning and all of those challenges combined with everything that's going on in people's eyes, you never really know what to expect. But he says that he's seen some promising stuff so far there. Um he wanted to give a shout out to the entire staff in the athletic department. There's so many people doing different jobs, you know, because of the furloughs, because of the layoffs, um, also because they're just new things that are needed because this is such a unique year, um, that there are a lot of people doing things that are outside of their job description. Um, and he really appreciates that. Um, he says that he's uh, proud of the basketball teams. He says that with the women, I uh, see his improvement. Uh, he, he brought up the Arizona game. Not sure if any of you had a chance to watch that over the weekend, but it was, Oh, I mean, I mean, it was great to watch for so long, but then there was just like the collapse, and we've talked a lot about it, about how this haven't quite been able to finish off these games. This was another one of those. Um, the, the women were in great shape. They had, a, I think, a nine-point lead, ten-point lead, something like that, going into the fourth quarter. Um, didn't make a field goal in the fourth quarter until, I believe, like a minute 20 left in the fourth quarter. 10-minute quarters, by the way, for those of you who don't pay a whole lot of attention. Um, that makes it tough. Uh, despite that, and despite, I think to that point, there were like three of six or three of nine or something from the free throw line. Um, they still had a shot at the end to to get back in it. To, to I think it was to win. I think they were down two at a shot to win. Um, it missed. Um, disappointing again. Just another gut-wrenching loss. But... Against number six Arizona, uh, competing is worth something. Like like the the no moral victory things is like a good mentality to have in terms of like going out winning. But for us as outsiders, you, you have to see improvement, and that's what Rick really said is that he he has seen a lot of improvement with that team. They look like a good basketball team. Um, the wins are gonna come. Um, he also said like obviously the men took down Washington, um, and he thinks that they have a chance to do something. Um, he also said that there are going to be a bunch of student athletes that are coming back soon, like really early January, because so many of the fall sports were pushed to the spring. And because of how all this lines up, um, this is going to be the busiest time maybe ever for the athletic department with all those sports getting going in January while the basketball is going. So you have all your spring sports, you have half your fall sports and you have, uh, basketball. It's going to be pretty crazy. I'm excited for it. Um, and of course he said he was proud of the football team for all of the obvious reasons. Uh, it's good to see them rewarded. Um, you know, he went through all the challenges with the spring practice, not existing, you know, having 10 days where Carl Durrell was allowed to have one-on-one sit downs with players after he was hired before not being able to talk with them pretty much at all, uh, for months. Um, crazy stuff ran through some of the same challenges we've been talking about on this podcast um, but did say that he's proud of them glad to see them rewarded with a bowl game and he also said that he's learned a lot in the process of going through all this um 
First question was, how, how do you feel about what happened with the Pac-12 over the last week or so? And he said uh, that he appreciates the commissioner's empathy, but we don't need any empathy. Um, we don't know if they are. He he didn't think that they're being treated any different than any other teams. It's kind of that thing that we talked about when all of this was happening, where we knew there were three teams that couldn't play. That meant that there were nine teams that could play, and you can't have an odd number of teams play games. Buffs were in a tough situation, but he did say like they followed the protocols. The protocols were set up before of who would be in that championship game. Um, you know. It was Mark Kisla from the Denver Post, the columnist, who, who was asking some of these questions. And so there was the initial one, but then later on, Kiz had his own line of questions. And, you know, they, they were good questions, you know. The stuff like, you know, they followed the protocols, but did you push for um, uh, the protocols to be broken? And what, what Rick said was, with, with a smile, he said, you know, we had those conversations. Um, we, we brought those things up. Um, and, and that's about it that he had to say there. So I do think that there was a push. You know, what happened was, by the way, for those who haven't been listening consistently but are now joining today for some reason, um, what went down was Washington was supposed to play USC in the title game, Pac-12 North champion versus Pac-12 South champion. Washington couldn't go. Oregon, the number two, filled in. That meant that Oregon, who Colorado was supposed to play, could not play Colorado, and Colorado was stuck spending a week preparing for either USC or Oregon in case the other team got sick because that's when they would have filled in um, and uh, had a chance to play. And so they were preparing for two opponents. Um, yeah, the everything followed what they were supposed to follow, but he did say they brought up maybe that shouldn't be how things should go. Um, what else? Jumping back up to the top of these notes. Um, he said that they could have played a non-conference game last week, but as I was saying, they were preparing for Oregon and USC. It wasn't until Wednesday that they learned that they could schedule another game because they were kind of cleared from having to be on call for the championship game. Um, at that point, they didn't want to prepare for a third team that week, put the coaches through everything that they'd been through again, put everything on the student athletes plates again. Cause remember like the, the Texas game, the buffs have what I think on the 21st, it was announced and the games on the 29th. So, so eight days there to get ready. Maybe even more than that. I think I did some, something wrong with those numbers. Um, well, today's the 21st. That was wrong. So it was the 20th. Um, so nine days, they still, as soon as they heard who it was were in the office that night, getting ready to go. That's what they had to do. Go through all that work for Oregon. Go through all that work for USC. Adding another game to to, get to go through that process for a pretty rigorous process, that's tough. Uh, and that's what um, he, Rick George said. He said, like, you know, he talked to Carl about it, and they just decided, like, the mental toll on coaches, student-athletes, just not worth it. And they told the team Thursday morning. Um, you know, a, a lot of Pac-12 teams have decided not to play in bowls for various reasons. Um, as it stands now, it's only Oregon playing, uh, I think they're, are they the sugar bowl against Iowa state or maybe it's the cotton bowl. It's, it's one of the new Year's six bowls. They're playing Iowa state. Um, and then the buffs are the only other team from the PAC 12 playing in a bowl game. Um, obviously in the Alamo bowl against Texas. So 
when asked, like, why are you guys doing it? Um, again, Rick talked to Carl. It was a decision that they made. And he said, it's an honor to be invited. We haven't been in four years to have this opportunity, especially at the Alamo Bowl, like a good bowl. Um, it, it's important to take advantage of those opportunities. The student athletes want to play. They really want to play Texas. It's good for the program. Um, they want to earn respect. Um, that's a phrase. We're going to talk about that phrase a little bit. Um, but he also said, you know, as he's talking about earning respect and that that's kind of what's missing from Colorado is that, you know, they're going to be tough games on the schedule next year. This year, they're supposed to be on the road at Texas A&M. But next year, I think in Boulder, the Buffs are playing Texas A&M and they're playing uh, Minnesota. And with the pandemic kind of ending, my friends are very excited to get out here and catch one or maybe both of those games. Um, but it's a tough schedule. And as Rick George said, the only way to get respect is to earn it. Um We'll come back to that idea, the respect stuff in a second. But um, so Rick George, I believe this was his first year. It had to have been his first year on the college football playoff committee. It's always tough. Like it feels like forever ago that it was announced that he was going to be on the college football playoff committee. But that's just because of how long this year has been. Um, So he was asked because he has served in that role. He's talked to a bunch of people about this kind of stuff. He was asked, you know, what do you think of the outside view of the Pac-12? And the first thing Rick said was, well, Gary Barta is the spokesperson. He speaks on behalf of the committee um, and basically said, I I can't talk too much about that um, and that he wasn't going to. What he did say, though, is that they do need to earn back respect. Um, He says that the Pac-12 absolutely took a hit this fall um, and that the conference has to earn respect. Um, But then he also said, you know, what was being said about Pac-12 basketball just a few years ago? I mean, it it was that it was no good. And now where are they? The Pac-12 is a good basketball league and he thinks that there were good coaches there at the time. It's just part of this cycle. Sometimes things are good. Sometimes things are bad. And and you can just kind of watch it happen. Um, He brought up the good coaches that were there in the Pac-12 a couple of years ago as part of the reason why there was the turnaround. He didn't bring up the coaches in the Pac-12, but but the the caliber of coach in the Pac-12 is something that has been a subject of conversation. You know, in the media days, uh, all sorts of times, um, because there are a lot of really good coaches in the Pac-12. Um, we don't need to go through all of them because you know, but it's a lot of very respected guys who have had success before and are likely to find success again. Um, Rick George didn't bring that up, but after bringing up the coaches in the basketball, I I, I assume that's where his mind was at. Um, He also said that the pandemic changes things. The pandemic makes everything different. And the pandemic is also when you lead. It's when you get out in front. Um, He says that um, he thinks that there are some opportunities there. He also said, you know, the highest ranked teams right now are ranked 17th and 25th, and that's not good enough. Um, he's optimistic. He sees a lot of good things coming um, and, and said, you know, we're going to have a great spring ball and the non-conference schedule, not just for the buffs, but for the entire conference will allow the Pac-12 to earn some respect. Uh, he was asked about Carl. He said that Carl's a lot calmer than he is. He doesn't get fired up very often at all. I mean, that's exactly what we needed. Um, everything that he put Carl through, you know, the the, the cuts, whatever. Uh, Carl just said that he could make it work, and then he did. Um, and then summed everything up by saying, don't think there was a more perfect coach for us than Carl this past year. 
Um, he said that the basketball season is going to be a challenge. They have to be difficult, but he does have cautious confidence that the Pac-12's plan will work out. They're going to get a conference tournament, all that kind of stuff. Um, going back to Carl, um, when asked specifically, like, you know, Carl isn't going to say good things about himself. Can you say some for him? And he said, well, to, to start things off, he does have a great coaching staff and he does have a lot of great leadership from the players in the locker room. Um, kind of expanded on that actually talking about when when he was an executive with the texas rangers when they won a world series that the locker room was just like the locker room now like just like the the way they interact the the way that everybody gets along and the goals being aligned all that kind of stuff um and he also said that the student athletes in the football program in his eyes have emulated Carl Durrell. They don't get two up or two down. They have that same confidence that he has. Um, and then he just said, you know, he deserves everything that he gets. So some good stuff there. Um, in terms of how the ASU stuff happened with the cancellation, he said that early that week, on Sunday of that week, they knew they weren't going to be able to play. That's when they reached out to the conference about playing non-conference games. Um, but then he has to talk to the athletic directors, talk to Larry Scott, talk to everybody, and then it goes to the presidents and the chancellors and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until Thursday that they got word that they could do it. That was too late, um, but it did kind of open things up to do it later on. Um, we already talked about the protocols for the game, a lot of talk of protocols. Um, he did say they, they had their eyes wide open last week. They knew what was going on. They knew what it took to get into that game, and that was one of the teams pulling out. They prepare for both teams. They prepare for that game. They don't need empathy. They need respect, and they have to earn respect. Um, he doesn't think that the lack of respect had anything to do with how things played out last week. Um it was protocol, but at the same time, you got to earn some respect. You know, it does make you think if if it had been Oregon or it had been USC in Colorado's position, are things different? Rick George, he said he didn't think so, but the, the respect is what gets you the benefit of the doubt. They're trying to get that back. Um, um, he also said that USC Colorado could have been a good game, and we look forward forward to welcoming them to boulder next year love it um he was asked about the financial situation are there going to be more layoffs all that kind of stuff and he said that there's been incredible support from alumni and from donors and that that has made things a lot easier um it, it helps that they were able to play some football games but the truth is they're they're out out 23 million dollars because they couldn't sell football tickets that's a lot of revenue. Um, he's out a couple million dollars because of basketball as well, because of those tickets. Um, they're going to do everything they can, everything they can possibly do to reduce the deficit. Um, they're, they're hoping maybe they can get some fans in the arena for the end of the basketball season, but it's one of those things where you really can't start planning right now because there's a lot that needs to happen between now and then for that to happen. Um, also said that in the same way that there are some good non-conference games for football, there are also some good non-conference basketball games next year. Um, you know, Kansas is coming to town. Tennessee is now coming to town. Um, so that stuff will help too. Um, he was asked whether he thought that um, the Pac-12 handled things well, whether the plan they put together was the right one, whether they could have started earlier, things like that. Um, and, and he said a whole bunch of stuff about this that I thought was really insightful. Um, he started by saying just simply, you know, college football is a good thing. Um, it, it gives the student athletes a chance to compete. Um, it, it gives 
everybody a little break from the pandemic. You know, it's it's just fun. You look at San Jose State, he said. Um, you know, the excitement, the enthusiasm after they won a conference championship this week. Um, those are raw emotions. That's what people need right now. It's been challenging. Um, the football side, the real world side, and that once they finally did get to kick the ball off, there was just this big sigh of relief that they finally got to play. Um, it, it was tough. They, they kind of had to stop and start once they got going, but they were glad that they did it. Um, but he also said, you know, look at what the Big 12, the ACC, the SEC, look what they've done. Hats off to them. Um, they were able to get a lot of games in, um, did great work. Um, and then in terms of the Pac-12, he said, our circumstances were different because of where the virus was in different parts of the country. Um, uh, remember what was going on. Arizona was having outbreaks. California was out having outbreaks. Oregon, uh, Washington, when all of this started. Now, I would say, you know, none of those outbreaks are anything compared to what is happening everywhere in the country right now. Um, and the standards have certainly changed in that time. Um, but that's what he said, you know, that's where we were at the time. Hindsight's 2020. Um, we used the information we had at the time. It would have been nice to start earlier, but the truth was there, there were a bunch of schools from the PAC 12. There were in areas, um, that, that made not starting the right decision. Um, and then the final question he was asked was, uh, uh, whether or how close they ever were to having a Rocky Mountain showdown this year. And he said that both instances just weren't the right timing. Uh, he said that it was too late for the Buffs when the conference approved non-conference play on that Thursday, and it was just too late to play a game. Um, you know, this week when they were coming off of finals with trying to prepare for um, both USC and Oregon for half the week, trying to get both of those installs done up until – Wednesday night, I believe, when they heard that they weren't going to be playing in that game. Um, you know, going through all that, again, coming off of finals, going through this whole season, uh, the the highs and the lows, all that kind of stuff, trying to schedule a rivalry game on two days' notice just didn't make sense for him. And that's that. Um, I think that that's pretty much everything I wanted to get to today. Uh, we're going to be talking, of course, a lot about Texas. I'm going to put together a bit of a plan for this week and for next week and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if I'm going to Texas, what media from Texas is worth, whether there's any value, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm excited because no matter what happens, uh, this, this is a huge game. This is a huge game. If Colorado goes down to San Antonio, beats Texas, I mean, there are so many different routes you could go. I mean, first of all, it, it, it gives some validity to Colorado's season. You know, people see the Pac-12 the way people see the Pac-12. And beating the teams Colorado beat isn't seen the way it should be. Stanford is a good program. UCLA is, is turning into a good program. Those wins don't mean much to non-Pac-12 fans at this point. Um, you know, everything that they did is kind of taken with a grain of salt around the country. Going out and beating Texas um, in what I'm calling the Sam Bowl between Sam Neuer and Sam Ellinger, that would be huge. Um, and it would be pretty big for the Pac-12, too. There's a lot of people who are very invested in Colorado pulling a win out of this game. I think I think they started as 11.5-point underdogs. The line was released this morning. Um, I think it was 11.5. Uh, so that shows where the national perspective is. If they can go out there and beat Texas – that changes things. That changes the reputation. And that's before you even start talking about recruiting. I mean, Texas is so important to the Pac-12, and it's really one of the battlegrounds. You know, the, the, the 
Alabamas and the Clemsons, they all recruit really well in the South. The Pac-12 obviously doesn't. The Pac-12 has a stronghold in California, but you look through where some of those top recruits have gone recently, they're not sticking in the Pac-12. And and we'll talk about some of this stuff more in the offseason. That's the big problem to me. It it isn't that the Pac-12 can't expand and win recruiting battles in the South. It's that they're letting kids from California get out to Clemson, get out to Bama, get out to Ohio State, instead of keeping them within the conference. Um, But... That's the if that's the stronghold, Texas is kind of the battleground. That's where the South meets the West, and you know right now a lot of that talent is going all sorts of different places. If Colorado gets a big win over Texas in Texas in a bowl game, recruits will notice, and there's already a, a decent pipeline developing in part because of Darren Cheverini. He deserves a bunch of credit for that from Texas to Colorado. That would expand. If Colorado can get this game, there's so much on the line, um, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, plus the rivalry, you know, old rivalry going back a couple of decades. So it's going to be a fun couple of weeks. The Buffs are back in the postseason officially, and I'm excited. I hope you're excited too, and I'll be back with another podcast tomorrow. Um, not really sure what we'll be talking about. Maybe we'll have Ben on to talk some basketball Maybe we'll start digging into Texas. I'm not really sure, but I'm going to figure that out once I'm done with this. Um, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we station, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it.
Colorado I swag. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it, play. Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, man I swear I think they like my Colorado swag.